0: John chapter 3, 1st John chapter 3, let me give you the verses that are up there for you. The Do you you're a son of God this morning? You don't look like it, you don't feel like it half the time, but if you're born again by faith in Jesus Christ, you're a son of God, you're a child of God, and that's a reality. Um... It talks about who we are, and then it talks about, because of who we are, what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to live. But let's read our verses 1st just look at the first three verses this morning. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Now think about that for a second. If God had just condescended to forgive you your sin and tell you to stay out of his sight, because you were such an offense to him, we'd have been well treated, wouldn't we, because we've done enough to offend against him, and that really he would not want to be around us, but he didn't do that. he didn't even say, "I'll make you my friends." He said, "I'll make you my sons. Behold what manner of love the Father hath towards us bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God." Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And us bow for a word of prayer. Father, would you bless us this morning, Lord, we love you? <clears throat> And Lord, we thank you for making us your sons and for saving us from our sins. And yet, Lord, we know so little about the reality of it. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you work in our hearts in these moments and help us to gain the truth, to hold it closer to our hearts, that we might walk with you in a closer way and know your power and know your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thought we have there is that you are a Love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, what does it mean to be a son? What does it mean to you or I that we say we're his sons? And I know for you ladies, it's kind of disconcerting when I say you're a son, isn't it? Uh, it's kind of hard for me when we talk about the church being the, Bible, the bride of Christ, too. So I understand for you that it's hard, hard on this. Son, daughter of God, the reality is you're in the family. You're a prince. You're a princess. Uh, we are in. <clears throat> what does it mean, though, uh, to be a son of God? Well, it means relationship, right? I'm in the family. I have a relationship. Now, based on relationship, we expect a lot of things in life. Based on relationship, you know, if you're part of a family, you will expect that your family take care for you and provide for you. Isn't that just the way it is? Now, listen, it can get messed up for us because it's a messed up world, but you know what? Normally, we expect Dad particularly to provide for us and to take care of us. We expect that we're going to find... Um, food on the table. My kids never asked me, Dad. Do you think we're going to have enough food for next week? They never did. They just expected that. That's kind of, that, that's that's that, that's the way life is. You know, they expected somehow there was going to be food in the fridge, there was going to be money there to buy food, and they really didn't care where it came from. They just knew it was going to be there. <clears throat> We expect care and provision. I read something interesting this week. I was reading a book. I was actually listening to a book, uh, and the book was about worry uh, and concern. And and the author said this. He said, if you worry about provision, then you don't know your father. If you worry about him, provide, and we do, don't we? We do worry about it. Uh, if If you worry about provision, then you don't know your father. The problem is you need to know him better he need to understand who he is. You see, a child normally expects that dad's going to provide for them, normally expects that dad will do the business, and, um, you know, it had, there has to be something extraordinarily wrong for them to come to the place where they, where they don't expect that. Right? And we, we're part of a family. We're children of God. We're sons. We're daughters. We're princes. We're princesses. We don't understand that he will take care of us doesn't mean we're not supposed to work. It doesn't mean we're not supposed to be careful about what, how we do things. But he will take care of us. And you know what? If you look back over your life, you find he's taken care of you over and over and over again. Hasn't he? He has taken care of you. He's our Heavenly Father. And because we're sons, we have a family relationship with somebody that we know will take care of us. He'll provide for us. He'll take care of us. <clears throat> Second thing we can expect in a family is we, we can expect communication. I know there are some families where nobody talks, and, um, <clears throat> but that's a very rare family. What happens in families, people communicate. We've talked about this in, in uh, men's Sunday school class. People communicate. People talk to each other. There's a relationship that goes beyond just providing. It's not a prison, you know, where you put the food at the door uh, for people. It's, it's a family, and there's communication. <clears throat> we can expect communication from our Heavenly Father. The Bible says in Romans 8.16 that the Spirit of God beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. That's communication. That's the Spirit of God communicating with you. And I know primarily God communicates with us through His Word, but you know there's the reality of an ongoing communication between us and Him, prayer and talking and Him telling us and guiding us and directing us. And that's Part of what it means to be a family. Part of what it means to be a son or a daughter, uh, to be in the family. <clears throat> there would be communication. Also, there would be <clears throat> a family resemblance, right? You know that God has a plan for your life and for my life. He wants to make me like Jesus Christ. Right? <clears throat> that's his plan. Uh, that's, that, that's his stated plan in Romans chapter 8, that he's going to make me, conform me to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as I grow in him and walk in him, I should look more like Jesus. I should be more like Jesus. I should be um, <clears throat> bearing the fruit of the Spirit. I should be living that life that bears that family resemblance. And had an interesting one, uh family resemblance recently. I was down in my dad's birthplace, and I met someone I hadn't met for maybe 20 or 30 years. Uh, the years kind of creep up real fast. But maybe, the guy's name is Joe Cooper, right? And so I was introducing myself to him, and he's a... Uh, he would have been the same age as my dad if my dad was alive. They'd be about the same age, these, <clears throat> these two men. And so uh, I introduced myself to him and I said to him, Yeah, I, I, I'm Willie's son. And he said, Oh, you couldn't deny him. You look exactly like him. <clears throat> you know, he knew me. He knew instantly when he saw me because of a family resemblance. And, you know, normally in a family there's a certain resemblance. The resemblance that we have is the fruit of the Spirit that we're actually made in the image of God and then. He conforms us to the image of his son. That's what he's trying to do. That's what he's working out in you. You say, that doesn't give me much room for an individual. It gives you lots of room for being an individual. But you know, the reality is that the differences between us are not as great as the similarities between us because we're part of a family, <clears throat> because there's blood between us. And we're going to talk more about that as we get into First um, John chapter 3. We're going to talk more about what, what that family unit is. Uh, What that family bond means and how it's supposed to be amongst us. And John's very strong about it. He lays it down very clearly how we're supposed to treat each other because we're family. You know, and the truth is in families we don't always treat each other right, do we? But most families will unite when there's trouble. Even families that don't like each other will actually unite when there's trouble, won't they? Because there's a family bond there. There's a family resemblance. There's a family bond. The third thing you could expect because you're part of a family is an inheritance. Right? Um, when I die, if there's anything left, my kids will get it. right? That's just the way it goes. You know. Uh, and you can expect a family inheritance. Now, a family inheritance in, in, in our context is something that you expect in the future. There's a difference with this family inheritance that we have with God, though. Uh, yes, it's in the future, but you know what the reality is? The reality is that, that it's also in the here and now. Let me give you an illustration of that. Prince William in England expects an inheritance, doesn't he? It's kind of a nice inheritance too. You know, Buckingham Palace would be nice to own and um, all the money that goes with it. He expects someday he's going to get all that, that's that, that all, all going to be his. But do you know that that reflects on his life even in the here and now? Because Prince William could go into a bank and say, uh, I need to borrow some money, and the bank is going to look at him and say, he's Prince William, he's got all that money coming to him, and there's a reality that the inheritance affects him in the here and now. He doesn't have it yet, but it affects him in the here and now. Do you know that your inheritance affects you in the here and now too? That your inheritance is not a financial inheritance, all right, to so get that out of your head, right? right? Uh, you're not getting Buckingham Palace or, or anything like that. You're getting better than that. You're getting heaven. Right? And one day, you're going to step into glory, you're going to step into heaven, and it's going to be home. You see, we think here is home, don't we? We think we have it here, but this is not home. Uh, we're just passing through. Uh, we spend so much time trying to feather the nest here and make ourselves comfortable here and now. It's not home. We're, we're, we're passing through. Look at me at First Peter chapter 1. Just back a few pages. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. i will really get there. First Peter chapter one verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Do you know that you're a child of God and you're an heir of heaven? You're a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, What does that mean to me right now? Well, you know what, <clears throat> if, we, if we would recognize that, we would understand that, you know what, if, if, if my heavenly father owns all of it, he can take care of me in the here and now. He can look after me. I don't have to be worried about it. I don't have to be concerned about it. He can look after me. He can take care. He didn't leave me to do a solo run in this world. He didn't save me and say, okay, Dave, listen, i get got on with it and I'll see you when you get to heaven. He didn't do that. The inheritance affects me. Now, yeah, I'm going to go to heaven to be with him, but I'm his child. And he's taken an interest in my life. What do you think if Prince William was going to the queen and say to the queen, you know what, Uh, I'm broke. I really haven't got enough money for groceries this week. Do you think the queen would say, well, you know what, that's your own problem. Go deal with it. No. Do you think God would do that with you? Do you think God would cast you off and not care? You know, what would say Prince William had made some foolish investment. Do you think the queen would say to him, no, I don't care about you and my grandchildren. You can. Do you think your heavenly father will put you on the out and not take care of you? Do you know what? The author of the book I was reading this week is right. If we think that, we don't know him. We don't know the relationship we have with him. You see, we've got an inheritance in heaven. Someday we're going to step into heaven and it's going to be <clears throat> home. And it's going to feel like home. And it's going to be ours. And we're going to be with him. But... <clears throat> He's made us sons. We're sons of God. You might not look like a son of God. We're going to look at that in a moment. You might not feel like a son of God very often. But the reality is you're a child of God. if You're born again. And if you're not born again, you know what? He invites you to be born again. He wants to draw you to himself. He wants you to be his. He wants to draw you into his heart and into his kingdom and into his home, into his family as his own child. You see, <clears throat> you're a son of God. Right? Secondly, though, the world won't and can't recognize that. Now, here's a problem for us. You see, this is all great and fine for Prince William. You know, he walks around and everybody recognizes this is Prince William. He's the heir to the throne. One day he's going to sit on the throne. And, you know, that's got to be pretty fun, isn't it? Uh, You know, I'm sure there's bad sides to it, but I'm sure a lot of the time it's pretty fun to to walk around for people to recognize you uh, as the future king. People don't recognize you, do they? And you say, hang on a minute, Pastor, I thought you said there was a family resemblance. I thought you said that because uh, I'm his child, there's a a reality that that hits me now. Well, yeah, that's true, but the problem is that they didn't recognize him. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. They didn't recognize him. One of the saddest verses for me in the Bible is John 1.11. It says that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. They did not receive him. They didn't like him. They looked at him and they said, Yeah, you're not the kind of king we want. You're not what we were expecting. You're not who we were expecting. And they cast him off. They didn't want him. They didn't want anything to do with him. They hated him so much in the end that they crucified him. And even worse than that, they gave him to the Romans to crucify. And they hated the Romans too. You know, so, you know, we want them to respect us. And no, they don't. And they won't. They, they can't see who we are. They don't know that you're a child of God. <clears throat> they can't see it. See, if they wouldn't accept the master, they're not going to accept you and I. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, <clears throat> English history is fascinating. All these kings that, you know, uh, beat each other up and kill each other and take the crown off each other, you know, it's, kind of, it's, an, it's amazing how they justify taking the crown. It's fascinating uh, stuff to read, right? But there's one guy called Lambert Simnel, and he's kind of interest, of interest to us in Ireland because he was a pretender prince, and he was crowned in Christchurch Cathedral. Right? Now, uh, they said that Lambert Simnel was actually one of the heirs, and... Henry VII had taken the throne, uh, and so he, he knew he had killed the heirs. <clears throat> but uh, Lambert Simnel said he was the heir, so, so they, they, they got an army together, and they went in and, and attacked Henry VII, and Henry VII de- defeated the army, and he killed all the, all, all the leaders. But since Lambert Simnel was young, and he felt he hadn't got any <clears throat> sense in it that it was the others that had driven him, what he did was he gave him a job working in his kitchens, right? Now, we'll say, we'll say Lambert Simnel had a child, And Lambert Simnel decided that he wanted to be recognized as the king because his father was the rightful king. Well, he's not going to get it. If they wouldn't recognize his father, they're not going to recognize him either. If they didn't recognize our Savior, they're not going to recognize us. Don't we somehow feel that we're the good guys and we're supposed to be treated like the good guys? Don't we somehow feel that we're the people that have it right, that we're the people that do right and that live right and the world should recognize us for who we are? They never will. They can't. They rejected our Savior and they reject us too. That's just the way it is. Now that's hard for us to take. But that's the reality. You see, <clears throat> Paul put it this way for us. He said, All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's the reality. You live godly in Christ Jesus. If you bear the family resemblance and live like the Lord Jesus did and bear the fruit of the Spirit, instead of people responding to you and saying to you, You know what, you are fantastic they're going to do to you what they did to Jesus. They're going to reject you. And we don't understand that because sometimes our thinking is a little skewed and then when we face persecution and we face hard times, you know, we're just gutted because how could they do this to me? If they did this to Jesus, of course they're going to do it to you. If they rejected him, of course they're going to reject you. You can be as like Christ as you like and the more like him you are, the more they're going to reject you. You say, well, I don't like that. I don't want that. I want to be liked, don't we all? But the reality of your life as a child of God is that ultimately you're going to get rejected for it. And the more real it is to you and the more real you make it in the world, the more the world is going to reject it. That's just the way it is. They rejected our Savior. And listen, understand that, you know, Jesus said that when you suffer persecution, blessed are you, be happy. Rejoice. Why? Why? Because so persecuted they the prophets that went before you. Great, you know, that you're in good company. Understand that, that when you stand up for Christ, there's going to be a reaction to you. I really think the church at this point is facing a reaction from a world that's gone totally wrong. It's just taken, taken taken a side road and gone down that side road in its thinking and in its actions and in its laws and in its culture. And I think, you know, ultimately the church is going to get a reaction. The reason the church is going to get a reaction is because we say, no, thus saith the Lord. It doesn't change with the times. It doesn't change with the laws of the land. It doesn't change with uh, people's feeling. It doesn't change with tolerance. No, you know what? Thus saith the Lord is what God says. We need to understand that. That we're not looking for it. We're not out there uh, looking for uh, people to reject us. We're not looking to be persecuted, but we're going to get it. And we need to understand that, that that's, Part of the way it is, they rejected our Savior. They're going to reject us. That's just the way it is. And you, know, you need to take comfort in that. Because you know what? You're a child of God. You have a rich inheritance. It's coming to you one day, a rich inheritance. Right? <clears throat> Number three, we don't look like sons now, but we will. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear... What we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Right? <clears throat> you know, today, you don't look like anything great. Today, the world doesn't come to your party and say, you know what, we, we think your Christianity is a wonderful thing, uh, and we want it. They're not beating the doors down to come in here, uh, they're not knocking on your door looking for the gospel. You know, <clears throat> we, we kind of want that, don't we? That, that's not the way it goes. They, they don't look at you and think you're anything great. Now, in one sense, you're not anything great. Right? The only claim to fame you have is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're not going to treat you like you're great. They're not going to see it because uh, it doesn't appear to them who you are. In fact, if you look at the society and the, uh, and the flow of our society, we look a bit weird, don't we? People treat you like that. You know, where does your thinking come from? Now, it's not weird to you. you it makes perfect sense. I think, uh, To be honest with you, I think uh, Christian thinking makes perfect rational sense but I don't think everything outside, uh, out there is rational. And people look at you, and they look at you thinking, and they think, you oh, know, that's a bit weird. He's a bit weird. She, she's a bit weird. I you know, <clears throat> wanted to visit a cousin of mine when we were in the States. Haven't seen her in, again, 20 or <clears throat> 30 years. been a long time. And she didn't want to see me. And I was kind of gutted, you know? And um, I thought, well, she, didn't e- she doesn't even know me, hardly. But you know what? She does know something about me. She's being warned off. <laughs> and that hurts, but that's reality. Yeah, that's just the way it's going to be. You're going to find that life is like that. Uh, that some people are going to be pretty harsh with you because uh, of who you are and what you are. And that's just the way life goes. But remember, Jesus said, rejoice, be happy when that happens. Um, because that's the way they treated the prophets that went before you. Understand this, you don't look like who you are. But <clears throat> there is coming a different day. There is coming a day, there's coming a day when I will see him. Do you realize that? One day you're going to see Jesus face to face. And by the way, I don't think it's something for you to be terrified. I think it's a lovely thing. I think it'll be a wonderful thing. I think even if you, even if you didn't do it right in this world, and, and uh, you know, but you were saved and you're born again, you're his child, it's going to be a wonderful day. <clears throat> but you know, there's this coming a day when either we'll die or the rapture will happen and we'll be ushered into his presence and we will stand and look into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be a glorious day. It's going to be a wonderful day. It's going to be a day when hopefully he'll be saying to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that what you want to hear? It's going to be a day when as he looks at you, all your troubles are going to just vanish away. All the sin that's dogged you in this world is going to fall away. All the sorrow It's going to fall away. All the sickness, all the sadness, all the death, all of it's just going to fall away and you're going to be in his presence and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And you know what? In that day, it won't matter what they thought of you. In that day, it won't bother you how people looked on you when you were down here. In that day, you know how you did down here and the money you had, and that won't bother you. In that day, you're going to be perfectly satisfied in him. And you're going to look the part. But I want you to look at a verse with me. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter one. Second Thessalonians chapter one. And verse seven. you're looking for Second Thessalonians chapter one. and verse seven. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 7. And he you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. That doesn't say it in this passage, but other passages, passages tell us that we will be with him on that day. That the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be revealed from heaven and we are going to be with him. And he is going to come back to earth on that day. And you know, <clears throat> on that day, it's going to be proven who was on the right side and who was on the wrong side. On that day, who you are is going to be shown. It's going to be made manifest. On that day, when you come back with him, everybody's going to know that you had chosen right. That you had chosen him and therefore chosen right. Look at verse 8, though. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, You say, well, how how could it be that somebody doesn't know God? Well, Jesus said this. He said, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. In order to know God, you have to be born again. In order to be known of him, you have to be born again. Does he know everybody? Does everybody know about a God? Yes. But you have to come to the place where you're born again. You have to come to the place where you've trusted in what Jesus did on the cross to save you from your sins and to make you his child and to give you a home in heaven. You know, In First in, in John chapter 1, and verse 11, it, it, it says that he came unto his own, but his own received him not. Then in verse 12, it says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to as many as believed upon his name. And you know what? If you have received him, if you have come to him and received him as your Savior, believed on him, he makes you a child of God. But if you haven't, he doesn't. And you say, well, I don't, want, I don't want to go that far with this thing. I don't want to be born again. And I'm like, I kind of, kind of like the Bible, and I kind of like coming to church, but I don't want to go all that far with it. You know, I, I just want to live my life and do my thing. Well, I want you to look back at verse 8 here of Second Thessalonians verse 1. It says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that he holds you accountable if you reject him? If you say no to him, he holds you accountable? And that's a terrible verse. Inflaming fire, taking vengeance. Do you know all those people today that reject him, all those people today that say we don't want to know him, he's nothing to us, we want nothing to do with him, all those people he's going to take vengeance on. Now you say, that's very harsh, Pastor. It is harsh. It is hard. It's hard to think about. It's hard to look at. But it's in the Bible. So that if you're not born again today, you don't want to be in the place where you're one of those people he's coming to take vengeance upon you. You don't want to be in the place where you've kind of put him at arm's length and said, "No, I don't want him not now, maybe later." If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you need to make today the day of salvation. You need to make today the day that you call out to him and you trust him as your savior because he will save. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ died to save you. He loves to save people. He doesn't ask you to clean up your act and get yourself sorted out and uh, make yourself look better. No, he says, listen, just come unto me. He will save you if you just call out to him. Why would you mess it up? Why would you pass it? Why would you take the risk of him coming back to take vengeance on you? Verse 9 gets worse. He says, "Who who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You see, <clears throat> Two kinds of people in our world today. <clears throat> and you know, there, there are those that are born again by faith in Jesus Christ and they're going to be with them on that day. And then there are all the rest who are not born again by faith in Jesus Christ and they're the ones he's going to be taking vengeance on. And they're the ones who are going to be suffering uh, <clears throat> everlasting punishment. That's a dreadful thought. If you're not in the kingdom, if you're not his child, if you've not been born again, you need to do it today. And if you know some people, and all of us do, who are not, we need to warn them. You say, they don't want to know, they just react to me. I know, but you know what? Even if they react to you, the reality is at least they're warned. But we have the answer, we have the solution, we need to give it to them. See, today you don't look like his son, but you will in that day. You will in that day. And those that have scoffed and mocked and scorned in this day, In that day we'll no longer be scoffing and mourning. In that day there'll be mourning. You know, we don't look like it today, but you know what we are his children. Now number four, since you are his son, stay pure in this world. Now now let me say this about purity. You know, sometimes we get it in our heads, well I have to be perfect uh, for God. To, to, to love me and to walk with me. And you know what? You're going to struggle with that because you're not perfect, are you? You haven't been perfect this week. In fact, you haven't been perfect any week in your life and you haven't even been perfect since you were saved. You haven't gotten it all right. You like to think sometimes that you, you do, but you know you don't. When you're honest with yourself, you don't. <clears throat> but First John 3 verse 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. There is a sense in which you are pure today. Because the Lord Jesus Christ made you pure when you became his child. He cloaked you in the righteousness of Christ. But of course, you're living a life uh, in a sin-cursed world uh, with sinful flesh still part of you. And you know what? He says he wants you to purify yourself. Now, how pure do you want to be? How clean do you want to be? How holy do you want to be? And why? Why would you want to be holy? Why would you want to be clean? Isn't all the fun where sin is? At least that's what the world thinks. Doesn't sin offer all the fun? Why would you want to stay clean and stay holy? But, you know, if you're afraid of God coming with a big stick and beating you up, and you want to be holy, it's not going to do very well, you know Because he doesn't do that one. Now, he loves us, and we're his children, and he disciplines us, but he doesn't come after us with a big stick and beat us up, you know that? Because you've done wrong things, and he hasn't done it, has he? has Now, so why would you want to be pure? Why would you want to be holy? Because the pure in heart see God. Do you know you live in a world that's sin-cursed? You live in a world that's got all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues, and all kinds of difficulties. And if you look hard enough and long enough into it, it's a pretty grim place at times. There's a lot of grim stuff goes on out there. There's a lot of grim stuff on the news. There's a lot of stuff that would just... Bend your mind. And you know what? It's hard to live if that's your focus. It's hard to live in this world. It's hard to have joy in this world. It's hard to be happy in this world if the world's your focus. But you know what? When you see him, when you walk with him and know his presence and know the reality of his smile and know the life that's in him, you know what? This world can seem like heaven. We sing the song, Dwelling in Beulah Land. And it's talking about dwelling in heaven now. Why? Because we're walking with him. Because we're seeing him. Do you know what you need to be pure? You need to be pure because sin stands between you and him and blocks you from seeing him, from seeing the reality of who he is, from seeing his blessing in your life. Sin will just. Sin is just, you know what? It's something you don't want the burden of. You say, but it's fun. Not enough fun. See, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. There's always a sting in the tail, isn't there? Now, Satan never promotes the sting in the tail of sin. But the reality is that when you sin, you always know that sting in the tail. And you're the immediate sting in the tail for the child of God. His presence. You can't sense him anymore when you're pure and you're seeking to walk pure and listen you won't get it all right you know there's no there's no such thing as sinless perfection in this world you know you will from time to time <coughs> you will do something that's, that's sinful and that displeases him but he's made a way out is not he if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness get it right but walk pure Walk pure in this dark world. Let me close with this verse. Look at Philippians 2, verse 15. Philippians 2, verse 15. Verse 14 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Do you know that we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation? You say, that's very hard. No, that's just reality. It was the reality then, and it's the reality now, at least as much as it was uh, when this was written. We live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, right? And you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to shine as lights. In the world, we're supposed to live a different way. We're supposed to walk to a different drumbeat. We're supposed to follow a different leader, and it's supposed to be evident. And you know what it does? It shines light in the world, it sheds light in a dark world. And you know what? We owe the world light, don't we? Don't we want them to see the light? Don't we not we wouldn't you love the Hellfire Club to smoke and fume uh, like Mount uh, <clears throat> Sinai did in the in the old days? Wouldn't you love to see it just shaking and and thundering and lightning on it, and people saying, "Oh my goodness!" Everybody in Talla looking up there and getting shaken in their boots because God was on the on the move. But He doesn't do that now. You know what He does do, though? He sends you and I out into the world to be lights in the world. Now understand. Light does two things. Light draws and light repels. Light repels. Jesus came and he was light. And he said this in John chapter 3. <clears throat> he said that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Some are going to reject the light, some are going to say no. Some are going to try and tear you down because you're light. But you know what's going to happen? Some are going to get drawn to the light too. And even the ones that want to tear you down because of the light you bear. You know what? The light's going to be a warning to them. There is a God. Our world doesn't know there's a God. The only way they're going to know there's a God is if we live like children of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's the only way they're going to know. If we live that way, you're supposed to live that way. You're supposed to be pure. You're supposed to walk with him. It's not you having a holier than thou attitude. It's you walking with him so that your life is governed by him and so that they see the light you shed. Listen, <clears throat> as Christians, we have the most wonderful thing. We're made children of God. But <clears throat> little problem for us in that from the time he makes us children of God till the time we actually get the inheritance we have to live in this crooked and perverse generation. But it's not without a purpose. There's a purpose in it. He wants you, as you live in this world, to be a light for him. And then, very soon, he'll usher you into his presence. And you'll feel like a prince and a princess. And you'll feel like his child. And you'll leave behind all the world. But he says right now, Live like a light in the world. Let's do it. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your people. And we thank you, Lord, that we are children. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you work in our hearts and our lives that we might take and make real in our lives the truth that we've just heard. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. The Spirit of God is dealing with you. Would you just raise a hand saying, I, God is dealing with me. Just if God is dealing with you this morning. Just raise your hand an acknowledgement: God is dealing with me. Um, Amen. See those hands. Amen. Amen. Many hands. Amen. See that hand. God is dealing with me. Just lift your hand. I'm not asking you to do anything else, just to lift your hand so you recognize God is dealing with you. You can put them down. Let me ask you one other question. You're here this morning, and we're talking about being children of God, and you, you see it, but you're not, and you know you're not. And the Spirit of God is dealing with you this morning and saying, you need need to get saved, you need to get born again, you need to become a child of God. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? not going to point you out, but just lift your hand so I can pray for you. Anybody at all this morning, I'm not a child of God and I want to be one. Just lift your hand. Now, Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for working in the hearts and lives of your people. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would would you draw us close to you, Lord, so that whatever area you're dealing with, uh, we would see it, we would walk away from the things that you don't like, and that we would walk into the light of your smile, Lord. Now, would you bless each one, Lord? May they have your hand, may they have your power, and may they see the reality of it in these days. And Lord, would you help all of us to rejoice in the fact that we are sons and and daughters of God, that we are princes and princesses of heaven, And Lord, though it doesn't look like it today, Lord, there's coming a day when it will be real. Blessed we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.